afternoon and welcome to the Replatform podcast. This is episode eight uh, and as always it's uh, James here and I'm joined by, by Paul Rogers. Hey Paul, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm good, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks very much. Uh, looking forward to today's episode as well, so uh, very happy to, to welcome Bill Tardell and Ben Krause from Work Area onto uh, the, the podcast. Bill and Ben, how are you doing? Doing great, thanks for having us. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, thanks for taking the time to come on. So just a quick introduction to people, then I'll hand over to both of you to, to tell people a little bit more about Work Area and your roles in it. But, so Work Area is an e-commerce platform, uh, Work Area Commerce Cloud. Uh, it's a commercial open source platform. It's a platform that I've not known a massive amount about in the past, so I'm really excited to learn more about it today as well. And I think it's going to be of interest to people um, in the UK market as well as a lot of our audience from the UK, because it's it's something that's got a stronger heritage in the US, and I know that uh, that it's a platform that more people in the UK are starting to get to grips with. So, be really interested if you could just give a quick overview of uh, your roles for Work Area, um, kind of background to the, the platform, and 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 really what the platform is and how it's kind of transitioned in the last few years. Sure, I'll start. Um, my name is Bill Tarbell. Um, I'm VP of Marketing here at Work Area. Um, I've been with the company for about three years, um, and um, lead the marketing and, and go to market efforts here. Um, really excited to be here and have a lot to talk about with Ben, um, but I'll, I'll let Ben do his introduction before we get into the platform. Sure. Hi, I'm Ben Krauss. Uh, I've been at Work Area for about 12 years, which feels like forever in software terms. Um, I started uh, primarily on the technical side, um, doing implementations back when we were uh, still a services company. Um, and then I started uh, writing this iteration of the platform about five or six years ago and have moved into kind of product management as well. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, that, uh, now we know your roles and, and, and what part of the business you represent. It'd be useful to hear from both of you. you know, what, what is the platform? Why is it? And, and I know that it's been going through an evolution like a lot of these platforms have been. So you know, what, what has that transition been and then where are you taking it? Yeah, sure. So um, I'll, I'll get into that um, by giving sort of a brief history of the company. Um, you know, Ben mentioned he's here for, been here for 12 years. Um, in, in early days, the company was primarily a professional services commerce focused agency. So the company did a lot of um, very large e-commerce implementations, um, both uh, custom build as well as implementing other platforms. And um, the second phase of the business that, that kind of then got more involved in the product team and sort of when I joined was we, we pivoted and we took that, that technology expertise as well as that experience and empathy that we had with the retailers and decided to build work area, uh, which is uh, sort of a, a modern uh, enterprise e-commerce platform. Um, work area commerce cloud, um, I'll give like a high level of, of kind of the, the main focus of the platform. It's a uh, Ruby on Rails, uh, MongoDB platform. Um, it, it, these are very uh, modern and extensible uh, frameworks. Um, and we, we focus on uh, doing commerce uh, across a set of capabilities that we think are, are crucial to succeeding as a merchant. So uh, number one, we have uh, fantastic, really deep, rich uh, enterprise commerce functionality. This is your cart, your catalog, your checkout, your promotions, your pricing. Um, we also have natively in the platform, uh, fantastic uh, content management. 
So um, the ability to um, manage digital assets, images, videos, um, the ability to create landing pages, navigation, um, all in a, a modern approach, um, mobile first, um, PWA supported. Um, and, and we really feel that content is a, a big part of how merchants uh, succeed and compete against their competitors in, in modern, modern selling. Number three, uh, we have uh, native and integrated search. So um, a lot of other platforms started uh, without search at the core uh, with work area, uh, site search, and this concept of, of natural language processing and the abilities we get from using Elasticsearch embedded in the platform is really powerful for a lot of things. And then, and then fourth, um, we have uh, an insights engine that drives a lot of uh, recommendations and insights back to the business um, from a, a data perspective. So uh, what products you should merchandise, uh, what promotions are working well, and providing that feedback loop back into the business. So um, with those four things, we have a, a really, really heavy focus on uh, business productivity. Um, if you go to workhere.com, we have uh, a lot of video demos that, that show um, how we've focused on making it really easy uh, for uh, you know, high growth uh, retailers and, and online merchants to work effectively and work smartly online. Um, I'll hand it over to Ben to talk some of the, the, the technical side of things though in terms of uh, how we've done things and, and you know, part of the cloud aspects. Excellent, thank you. That was a nice yeah. overview. Yeah, I would I would add on the technical side. You know, we a lot of the went back when we were like choosing the technologies for work area. Um, a lot of the themes and kind of philosophy behind Ruby on Rails really rang true in terms of what we thought would be um, most effective um, for for the kind of retailers that we were working with. So <clears throat> for Ruby on Rails, that's, um, you know, speed and agility, um, developer happiness, and really, um, you know, being very expressive with the, the, the code that you write. And so I think work area as a result of that has kind of inherited a lot of those values. And, um, you know, we're a very technology and developer forward platform um, and, and, you know, developers love working on work area and that, you know, has been a great, uh, a great aspect of working, you know, with work area. Great. Um, so I have a quick question that's slightly, uh, slightly different to what we've talked about so far, but so you recently released an open source version of the platform. Um, so what does that look like in terms of the kind of functionality that you've talked about so far, the feature set, um, and what's the plan with the open source version? Yeah, sure. So we, um, just a few months ago, we um, released a, a major portion of the core platform to the open source community. It's, it's available on GitHub. Um, we also um, maintain and, and our sales and, and marketing team is focused on the Work Area Commerce Cloud. Um, and the difference between the two is really um, the Work Area Commerce Cloud is um, a, a merchant dedicated SaaS um, built in the cloud version. Um, it's, it's provided on a subscription basis. Um, everything is uh, built into it from an infrastructure, security, PCI compliance perspective. Um, and then there's a cloud expansion pack, which is a, a small but uh, significant set of uh, additional plugins that are available uh, to merchants who use the cloud uh, version of the platform. The main motivation behind doing this, um, we do focus on um, large uh, enterprises. So in terms of 
you know, the competitive space, um, you know, if you are a small business and you're looking to just get a site, you know, a car, a catalog and a checkup up, um, work area may be uh, a little bit too robust uh, and, and too involved to do that. Um, uh, we are really focused on uh, the enterprise as well as um, startups that are, are doing things um, a little bit differently, are innovating uh, in their model. So one of the main motivations of doing open source, number one, uh, to reach that developer community and continue to grow the community around the platform. Um, there's a lot of uh, fantastic network effects that we've um, seen around other platforms doing that. Um, but number two, and maybe more importantly, um, and I think, I think is relevant for this podcast is, you know, we've, uh, we've seen how uh, challenging and how uh, frankly risky and, and how often poor experience it is to, uh, for a large enterprise to replatform. And that entire selection process, um, frankly, has a lot of flaws in terms of um, going through a typical B2B sales cycle. And from a purely transparent perspective, um, we love it when merchants um, go and kick the tires of the platform, evaluate it. Um, we've seen a lot of success already with um, larger organizations um, downloading the platform and doing a small proof of concept before they even reach out to us. And, and we really encourage that, um, that level of sort of transparency, um, especially given that this platform is, is, uh, is signing up to do so much uh, for these merchants in terms of their business. That makes sense. Um, and what's the response been to the open source offering so far? So like in terms of kind of SI partners or have you had a lot of kind of uh, potential retailers downloading it and looking at it as like a viable alternative to some of the other open source platforms on the market? Yeah, yeah I mean, I would, I would say, oh, sorry, go ahead, Bill. Sure, go ahead. No, I was going to say quickly, yeah, I think, I think the response has been great. We have, um, uh, we know of a number of really large uh, merchant teams um, that, um, are already reaching out and talking directly to our uh, developers on our community to evaluate it. So what it's done for us is it's, it's switched around our typical sales process. So, you know, a, a developer is not going to want to uh, fill out a demo request form and talk to a sales rep and do a qualification call to, to just see the platform. So um, it's, been, it's been successful from that perspective. Go ahead, Ben. Yeah, I think I kind of have, you know, in going into the open source world um thought of it a lot like a garden and like growing a garden so while you know it, it takes a while for for everything to grow we've planted those seeds and you know we're starting to see them grow um and so uh, it, it feels like um uh, like there's a certain element of patience involved where we're kind of seeing some some good uptick and some developer interest and developers even just feeling more comfortable there um you know, because they're so familiar with the GitHub world and um, with contributing to open source projects. And so we've been able to, you know, step up support. Um, and it's kind of been an interesting, you know, shift in internally to uh, focus on that as well. Excellent. Thanks for that. Um, a question I've got is something that Paul was uh, mentioned to me earlier is, is that one of the things that impressed him the most when looking at the work area platform is how much functionality is native and a lot, of, a lot of the processes we go through with clients is looking at you know how much they want to achieve out of the box versus how happy they are to plug third parties in to achieve the business functionality so it seems to us that 
that kind of where the platform's going and its capabilities are similar to enterprise platforms like Salesforce, Magento 2, et cetera. Are you planning to continuously build into the platform and make it everything native? Or are you looking to expand capability and functionality through proven integrations and connectors with third parties to build out the ecosystem? Or both? Yeah. I, 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 yeah. So... Go ahead, Ben. Yeah, sorry to interrupt you. No, it's fine. Um, we can edit out all this interrupting, right? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it, it just it adds, it adds to the beautiful nature of podcasting. It makes it more real. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so, I mean, in terms of expanding functionality, I think, you know, integration is definitely, there's a lot of value to be had there in terms of um, allowing certain capabilities uh, particularly around management and managing changes to your site and managing, you know, how promotions and content and, and catalog all relate to each other. And so I think, yeah, like in terms of functionality we want in the platform, we absolutely want to expand that because for, you know, the, the team size and the, and the type of uh, merchant that we're, that we're working with, you know, they, they need as much agility and, and power uh, as they can get. They don't want to be in all these different software packages, you know, setting things up over here and setting things up in that tab and this tab and, you know, making sure they publish at the same time and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, we really feel strongly about the, the value of integration there. Um, in terms of enabling third parties, though, that's actually like a piece of our, our roadmap for this year. And a primary focus is kind of looking at how work area can do better out of the box with third party integrations. Um, so we're looking at um, consolidating and, and on the technical side, you know, re-architecting a bit of the code to make that a little bit easier to manage and allow us to be able to um, just expand the, the number of offerings we have out of the box, as well as um, building some out of the box, uh, like platform as a service integrations to help implementers there. So that is a, a big part of, you know, what we're looking to do this year. Fantastic. And, and are you envisaging this from an architectural point of view to be similar to how, say, Big Commerce and Shopify do it, where literally a lot of the apps are, you turn them on and they're ready to rock because they're pre-integrated versus some of the other platforms where it's not just a question of turning it on. Um, you actually have to do quite a bit of configuration. You need development resource in order to, to enable the capabilities. Whereabouts do you foresee those kind of connectors sitting? Yeah, I mean, right now it's, you know, a developer in installs a plugin, which is a single line of code that you drop into a file in your project and you update and you push that. So it's, it's very straightforward, but you're right in that it does require some um, developer effort there. So what we're looking at doing is finding ways that we can maybe uh, either hybridize this or, or get to a model where, um, you know, it is purely an admin configuration kind of a deal. So, you know, we're early in the stages of that, um, but particularly for implementers, um, we think that that's, you know, we've heard a lot of feedback there and, and we want to respond to that. And, and I think, you know, I think, I think we'll be able to do something great. It certainly sounds like a really good progression on the uh, roadmap for, um, for this year and next. Uh, but in relation to that, I guess, actually, we talked about capabilities. It'd be really useful to hear some of the key selling points um, in terms of what you found has resonated with clients you've chosen work area over other platforms. So what are the key features that people like the most and why? And 
yeah, are there a few capabilities in each you could pull out? So things around like site search, content management you referenced earlier, anything to do with like personalization, uh, B2B automation. Yeah, I would like, love to hear from you guys what you think the key selling points are. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll take this one and then, and then maybe Ben can talk about um, why developers and, and more technical folks uh, gravitate towards the platform. So um, I think during the introduction, I talked about um, a little bit how we've uh, sort of expanded the scope of what we believe an e-commerce platform needs to do really well on platform. So, um, you know, I talked about um, really rich content management sort of as a, a you know, native aspect of the platform. I talked about search. I talked about insights. Um, the real special sauce comes together when um, a business user can sort of orchestrate um, experiences through the through our um, tool called Site Planner. So we have um, a tool. It's think of it like a calendar where um, a work area merchant can can plan and build uh, experiences ahead of time, test those in production, and set it and forget it for deployment. So it's a it's a really fantastic way for uh, these teams to um, to work and coming from other platforms that require you know integration between content management and search and all these things and you know you have to click the button to you know invalidate the cache and re-index and, and all these things are all uh, nicely taken care of in a work area because we have uh, purview over all those uh, essential parts of the experience. So I think. Number one, that's a big part of it. Um, just the, uh, the usability of the platform as well as the, the feature richness that's uh, given by um, having search, content management, and merchandising uh, all within one system. Um, okay, so I have a question. Um, so Bill, I've seen you and Matt talking a lot on LinkedIn about kind of work areas APIs and how they could feasibly um, be used in a headless manner. Um, it doesn't feel like this has been as much of a focus for you as some of the other platforms. Um, is this something that you want to kind of, you want more people to be using work area with or is it that kind of you're so focused on building a good front end framework um, that's performant anyway? Um, and that's flexible anyway, um, but it's not a focus for you. That's a really good question. I think um, one of the things that, uh, that we try to talk about within our team is really just focusing on business problems versus architecture. Um, headless commerce is something that we fully support um, and um, actually have fantastic API coverage, uh, as well as some, um, you know, really great use cases of headless commerce and production. Um, we do support um, a fully integrated front end that gives some additional functionality in terms of a business user being able to create that. But there's also, um, you know, the ability to create, you know, a completely headless experience on work area and hit those APIs to do so. So um, in terms of e-commerce, um, you know, I think a merchant would take a look at what we have in terms of the front end framework um, and then uh, take a look at our API and make a decision around uh, what path they want to take in terms of the, the browser-based experience. Um, but we do have customers, like you mentioned Reformation and, and some others that I'll talk about, where they're using our e-commerce uh, sort of full stack for, for uh, you know, through front end for e-commerce, but using uh, our APIs to drive in-store experiences like kiosks, like store-associated apps, um, point-of-sale uh, integrations. Um, we see the, the growth of headless and sort of these new front end technologies. And, um, you know, if you 
uh, want to support a, a, you know a rapidly growing uh, brand with a marketing team that wants to you know throw together uh, a promotion, uh, a merchandise catalog, and a landing page to you know to push live in the next hour, then you know you might want to rethink um, your workflow and use some of our tools to do that. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I would add like on on like a you know practical slash philosophical level, you know the reason that you're that you're going with work air is you're, you're making an investment to do some, some customization and, you know, you want, you're creating this, you know, great experience website for your customers, but that effort should be, you know, reused. You shouldn't waste that when you're thinking of, you know, other, you know, apps or in store kiosks or whatever it is. So like in terms of the business use case there, we're, you know, very focused on making the APIs, making, you know, functionality, exposing functionality through the APIs. And um, so on a technical level there as well, um, we want to enable, and, and we've seen that in, in, you know, a bunch of our customers and it's been pretty exciting. In terms of the API, because this thing, I think it's always interesting for people to, when they're looking at what they want from API and, and whether people want true headless or just flexibility. Are there any limitations to what the API covers? Some, some platforms, the API is fully open. You can customize any part of the user journey and others, certain parts are locked down. Um, so can you do anything? Can you, can you fully customize the checkout, for example, to create a custom payment flow if you needed to? Yeah, so uh, with the flexibility of, you know, particularly the, the Ruby programming language, you can customize literally any single part of the work area system. And that includes any kind of APIs. Um, you know, if you want to add custom endpoints or you want to change the way some of those APIs work, people have done that and absolutely succeeded. Um, and that's, you know, a lot of, a lot of the appeal of work area is that you can get in there and change, you know, whatever you want. And we have, you know, a lot of tools to help with managing that change and, you know, ensuring that our functionality that we're delivering out of the box still works um, in terms of test suites, and we have some tools to help with upgrading. But, um, you know, that getting in there and being able to change, you know, the back office APIs because, you know, your old system needs some kind of different responses or whatever, like that's, you know, that's bread and butter for work area. Okay, excellent. How does it work in terms of, of making sure that customers don't have any issues when you upgrade APIs. Do you ever deprecate or if somebody is using an, a, 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 an existing API and then you release new capabilities, do the old versions still work or do sometimes clients have to, to make changes their end to continue working with your APIs? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, without getting too technical, we follow very tight versioning constraints to ensure that, you know, surprise, there's no surprise breaking um, which is, you know, something you'll see sometimes in, in SaaS platforms where they'll just be changing these APIs underneath you. In work area, we're very conscious of this. And um, we also, in terms of upgrading, deliver uh, some tools to help developers um, manage that. And, and it's kind of almost holding their hand through the upgrade process. So it becomes very simple. And it's not this, this you know, arduous process that you're seeing um, on, on some other platforms. I guess um, just on that, just um, like with you being a SaaS platform, um, how, where does the general kind of responsibility lie um, when it comes to kind of upgrades and, um, and a certain level of maintenance? 
because uh, obviously you still have SI partners like DMAC and uh, or Bounteous now and um, BVA. Um, yeah, wh where does that kind of where does where does the split come in? So, I think generally we like to put the the merchants in in charge in control. So I think ultimately the responsibility goes goes with them. Um, we enable them in you know every way that we can, and we're you know communicating as I mentioned like. We're making that tooling available to everyone, and you know it's it's highly leveraged throughout you know the work area community. Um, and I think that you know that's that, that making the merchant in charge because they're the ones with you know the business. You know they're they're the they're the clients at the end of the day, and they're the ones that understand you know what appetite for change they want. You know what features they might be interested in. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Bill, do you have any additional thoughts on this one? Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, some of our, um, our merchants uh, fully train up developers, their IT, obviously their business users on the work area platform, and own and control uh, a lot of that, those decision makings, decision making as well as implementation of the platform. Um, and these are our most uh, innovative customers. They have a roadmap on work area and they're just, um, they're doing that, uh, those sprints and, and moving the ball forward. And, and that often includes taking, uh, taking feature upgrades and enhancing the platform. Um, other merchants choose to go with one of our partners and um, there's a number of different uh, packages our uh, systems integrator partners have and, uh, different levels of support and, and integration. But um, it's really, like Ben said, we're, we're really putting um, the control and uh, freedom in the hands of the merchant to, to kind of align their technology roadmap to their business roadmap and, and be able to make those decisions. Um, we're, never, we're never forcing any major, uh, you know, major releases on our customers. Um, it's, uh, it's all up to them in terms of when they want to take, take those upgrades. That makes sense. Um, and I guess what's next um, for work area in terms of the product? Like what have you got on your roadmap for 2020? Yeah, so like we were saying earlier, we're talking about third-party integrations and kind of, you know, um, improving that experience and lowering the friction there. Um, you know, along with growing this garden of open source community, I think community is kind of now a first-class citizen in terms of, of roadmap and, and where we're focusing our efforts. Um, you know, we've got a lot of great feedback on uh, the... Uh, you know, improved support that we've been doing lately. Um, and so I think, you know, stuff like documentation um, is a big, plays into a big part of that as well. Uh, we've been, you know, looking at some analytics on our documentation site and, and thinking about, you know, how we're going to improve that. Um, in terms of, you know, merchant facing functionality, uh, there's a few exciting things coming up. Um, we're going to be working on a site builder, which can, uh, you know, is kind of a dynamic, uh, ability to spin up new sites to sell certain portions of the catalog with, um, you, know, you know, some different visual design and some different configuration options there. So, um, you know, we've, we've heard a lot of interest on that and we think we can do a pretty great job. So we're excited to do that. Um, and then one thing I'm particularly excited about is, you know, Bill talked about our site planner um, tool where you can kind of create these releases, uh, these different versions of the site. And I think that that is a great hook for being able to do A-B testing. 
So um, one part of the commerce cloud uh, functionality set that we're going to be working on is uh, an A-B testing plugin that would let you, you know, set up a new version of the site. And, you know, maybe before you publish that new version of the site, you can run an A-B test on a group of customers, um, you know, maybe a segment, maybe the general public, whoever, and be able to see how that release performs before you actually, you know, publish it. Um, so I think that, you know, the A-B testing is a particularly exciting area to have that integrated, you know, all the way down to promotions and pricing um, and then carried up all the way through, you know, content and being able to just have that automatically handled for you um, in, in work area, I think is a particularly exciting proposition. Great. Yeah, and, and just to add to that, Paul, um, we actually just um, uh, put out a, a significant release this quarter that um, um, I don't believe uh, any of our customers are using yet, but it really um, focuses on personalization um, and segmentation. Um, and it's actually part of the uh, open source core of the platform. But in a sense, um, anything that you can do in work area, whether it's a product, um, a piece of content, um, anything that you can uh, enable or disable in the experience can be tied to a segment and work area, which is, uh, it, it opens up um, levels of uh, sort of, you know, building contextual experiences that uh, would be a little bit more challenging to do uh, as well. Um, the, uh, along with that, our insights engine, which is sort of the, the data and analytics actually drive some automatic segmentation of the platform, which is pretty fantastic. So we have um, out of the box uh, in our latest version, uh, a number of pre-built dynamic segments that uh, business users can start tying uh, content promotions and different experiences towards. Great. That sounds really yeah. cool. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Bill. Uh, we, we, I should have remembered to talk about that. I think sometimes like we just, you know, published that code and uh, sometimes it's easy to, you know, so quickly move on to the next thing. But yeah, three, five is super exciting. And the, the segmentation effort was a big, big technical, uh, lot, a lot of moving parts and a lot of, a lot of difficulties there. So we're very proud of how that turned out. And I think people will love it. Great. That seems to be uh, quite a big focus for a few of the uh, platform providers at the moment. Um, so another yeah. uh, thing that I want to talk about, so most or several times in the last kind of 12 months, um, I've spoken to people about reformation and how quickly they're growing and how kind of everyone's talking about them generally. Um, how have they kind of grown with work area and what do you think made them choose work area? So I'll give a quick answer and then um, I'll let that add some comments. But, but yeah, so Reformation um, is, a, is, is one of our best customers in terms of sort of their vision for commerce and what they're doing to innovate in the space. Um, they are one of the merchants that actually uh, have chosen to um, build a work area uh, team uh, trained up both technically as well as on the business side. And um, I talked about their, uh, their vision for commerce and retail. Um, they're using work area, not just for e-commerce, but um, they've built out and rolled out work area powered experiences in all of their retail stores as well. So um, they're talk about headless commerce. They're using, you know, you walk into a reformation uh, a store, a brick and mortar store. Um, they have large touch screens powered by work area. They have 
um, connected fitting rooms. Uh, if you're trying something on, you can request a new item from your store associate. And then I think they have six or seven different iOS applications for their store associates from everything from point of sale to wow. uh, fitting room, uh, even back office runners to go get inventory. Um, and we love this idea um, and, and of thinking about retail um, from a digital perspective, because it not only um, kind of changes the experience from the customer, but they're creating so much data from these, these physical interactions that uh, typically haven't been uh, captured before. So, um, so yeah, they, they've had um, uh, a fantastic uh, growth on the platform and, and are one of our most uh, innovative customers in terms of what they're able to do with the, the system. It's a great brand to have. Um, yeah, like I say, everyone seems to be talking about that at the moment. In relation to that, how, how has um, 2019 been in general for you? So um, how much you focused on on helping existing clients expand versus rapidly acquiring new customers? And do you have any uh, projects either signed or in, in the works that you can talk about that, that could be on a similar scale and size as Reformation? Yeah, no, absolutely. So. Um, it's been a great year, um, a lot of change, obviously, um, a lot of attention for the open source announcement. Um, just a couple of merchants that come to mind. Um, one in uh, Australia, a company called Spell and Gypsy Collective um, is, is sort of similar minded uh, as Reformation in terms of their, their strategy on, on, on content and their focus uh, on retail. Um, they're based in Byron Bay, Australia. Um, actually um, came to us uh, from uh, admiring some of our other clients, including Reformation. And what they've done is they're running um, multiple sites uh, globally on the platform. They're serving two hemispheres with different seasons. Um, and they're also um, building out a, uh, an a, a point of sale uh, application for pop-up stores and retail on the API, which is pretty exciting to see. Um, we just signed a multi-billion dollar uh, betting retailer in the United States. I uh, can't announce the name yet, but um, we're replacing um, one of the enterprise leaders and really focusing um, on, on their digital experience, which is exciting. Um, uh, loving, uh, loving talking to you guys in the UK, but we signed um, a company called BSI Merch um, based in London uh, recently. They're a... Um, uh, a company that serves uh, hundreds of, of uh, music artist uh, merchandise stores um, and they love the, uh, the multi-site ability and the flexibility of their platform to do that. So they're going to be building out um, their experiences on the work area. And then um, just another one that comes to mind just to kind of show the, the sort of diversity of industries that we serve. Um, there's a company called uh, M&M Food Market, which is a, a specialty grocer in Canada that um, uh, is, is kind of rethinking their experience in their stores as well as digital um, and work area was the right solution uh, to, to fit that sort of grosser market. So um, the, the theme amongst our, our merchants um, is really around, um, you know, having a, a unique and sort of innovative vision for um, what, what they're doing uh, for their customers. Um, these are um, early adopters. These are uh, companies that are investing in digital. And, um, you know, when folks um, have that vision and take the proper time to kick the tires on the platforms, um, work area uh, shows quite well. That's interesting. You've got um, clients across different uh, sects as well, like groceries, definitely a, a, an interesting one, given that they have some, some unique uh, things to how they operate online. Um, 
So that's interesting. Uh, a question I had, so you were just talking about um, some of them being attracted to Worker because of the, the um, mul multiple storefront management ability. Could you just clarify one thing for, for listeners? When people are running multiple storefronts, how easy is it to set up like parent and child? So can you have inheritances so you don't have to continuously sign into a new storefront to publish? Can you like publish a page and publish it to multiple storefronts, but then edit locally within each storefront? So currently in work area, you have to basically decide which things you're going to share, um, whether that's pricing or inventory levels or products or whatever. Um, you have to decide that, you know, that's a developer configuration. <clears throat> um, but what I was talking about with the site builder is, you know, we're very focused on finding ways to make that more flexible and, and allow some of the, you know, more parent child um, dynamic kind of sharing across sites that you're describing. So, you know, that's something on the roadmap. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're excited to be able to get to that next level. Okay. And is, when you say on roadmap, is that envisioned for 2020? Uh, yes. Sorry. That would be like probably first quarter 2020. Okay. Amazing. Um, okay. Interesting. And you, you also mentioned UK and UK clients when you um, were um, speaking just a minute ago. Do you have plans to rapidly accelerate in the UK? Do you have local teams? And then also uh, linked to that, are there any other territories globally where, where you're planning to push the platform in 2020? Yeah, it's definitely an area of growth for us. So um, I mentioned um, BSI March. Um, we um, are starting to um, build a strategy of growth through SI partners. So we're talking to um, a number of partners in these territories where we currently do not have worker employees uh, feet on the ground. So we don't have uh, we don't have any employees in the UK, um, but we are in early stages talking to uh, implementation partners. Um, in those areas. Um, another one of our focus um, really um, has been a, an area of sort of demand that we've seen for the platform has been from Australia. And I think a large part because um, Spell and Gypsy Collective is doing such great work uh, and is admired by their businesses in, in Australia. Um, Canada has been strong for us um, and we've also seen some uh, interest in, in South America. So, um, you know, we're in the right in the middle of 2020 budgeting and, and strategic planning for our business. So um, ex expansion into those territories will be a large part of what we focus on um, with the platform. Great. Um, I guess lastly from me, um, so a bit of a loaded question. Um, so we've spoken quite a lot over the last couple of years and we've spoken about who your competitors are. Um, as of right now, um, with the product uh, developing and kind of some of the new merchants you've picked up, who do you consider to be kind of your top competitors? Is it some of the kind of platforms you've worked or you've competed against in the past or is it some of the newer entrants? Who do you consider to kind of be your biggest competitors at the moment? Yeah, so um, the ones, uh, you know, we, we compete um, quite a bit with Magento. Um, I mean, they're... Uh, footprint globally is is uh, is sort of uh, undisputed in terms of, of um, their reach. So we see Magento quite a bit. Um, we do see Salesforce Commerce Cloud, um, but we also um, are a fit. And, and I can talk through a couple examples of, of merchants that we've uh, brought on board this year. So a, a few have um, you know come to us from Shopify Plus, right? So Shopify Plus has been a fantastic platform for them during a certain phase of their growth. But um, at a certain point, 
um, when they want more ownership over the technology and they want to move a little quicker in terms of the roadmap uh, work area, um, both from a technology perspective as well as a, a feature set perspective, makes a lot of sense uh, to move to. Um, we're also at the higher end of the market um, starting to uh, replace some of these um, uh, quote unquote legacy leaders. So um, we're, um, you know, we've replaced um, a major uh, Hybris implementation and we're doing um, a lot of the area that work area goes toe to toe functionally and, and architecturally very well with some of these, um, you know, larger, um, more, you know, enterprise focused companies. So um, we're a huge value for those companies as well. But to, to be succinct, we, um, we sit sort of in the mid to enterprise market um, and uh, are a fantastic fit for companies who um, either have a strong focus on, uh, on content, um, a strong focus on um, you know, moving quickly in terms of iterating those digital experiences, um, or if they have uh, just an innovative uh, idea and a rapid growth uh, to back investment in that idea, um, we're, we're a fantastic pick for those companies. Excellent. Um, thanks. Uh, I've got uh, another, just sorry, one last question. Uh, it's the uh, danger of letting us uh, loose on these podcasts um, related to that. So what, what is the commercial model? I'm not, don't expect you to give all of the in-depth uh, uh, secrets of the business, but do you charge like a Salesforce on a GMV percentage? Is it more um, uh, like an EPI7 model where it's on you know, usage like page views, sessions, etc.? You know, what, what determines the kind of the cost level to a client using work area? Yeah, so I guess to start, um, uh, I guess not to be uh, sort of flippant about it, but um, anyone can go and download the platform, the open source platform today, and use it and run it in production. So in that sense, people can get started with the core platform. But on the on the core uh, on the commercial side, we work at Commerce Cloud. Um, we have um, revenue tiers um, that are sort of bands that that relate to a monthly subscription. So um, in a sense, it ties to usage. Um, if it's an API user, we have bands around uh, API usage there. Um, but it's a, um, it's a model that, that, that we've created that aligns so that merchants can uh, predict their investment in the platform. Um, and um, we're also quite flexible in terms of, um, of how that works. But um, at a high level, it's, it's revenue bands. And then um, for high API users, there's, a, there's sort of API uh, buckets uh, pricing as well for that. Okay, excellent. Thanks for clarifying that. Um, so, uh, Paul, that's um, that's all the questions I, I wanted to ask. Was there anything else that you wanted to cover off with, with Bill and Ben before we? Uh, uh, I don't. I don't think so. Um, yeah, just thanks for joining us. I think that's really interesting. Uh, work area is a very interesting platform, and um, yeah, I think we'll continue to see it a lot more in the next coming years, couple of years. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and from, from yeah. both of us, thank you very much for taking the time to come on and answer the questions. Um, been really useful. I've certainly learned some new things at work area. Um, I'll definitely need to take more of a look at the platform as well. Uh, and just to say thank you to all the listeners for listening in as ever. And apologies because there was a bit of static coming through today. I'm not sure why it's the joys of doing uh, recordings online. So hopefully it hasn't uh, spoiled the enjoyment of that episode. If you have any follow-up questions, as always, get in touch with myself and Paul. Um, we'd happily, we'll happily connect people um, to, to Bill or Ben at uh, Work Area if you want to have a direct conversation. And uh, do keep an eye out for the uh, next episode that we'll be uh, uh, announcing very, very shortly. 
Thanks very much, everyone, and have a good rest of your day.